A Letter Twenty Three of Pamela, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela, Volume Two, by Samuel Richardson. Letter twenty three from Mr. B in answer to the preceding one. Dear Sir Simon, you cannot but believe that I was much surprised at your letter complaining of the behaviour of my wife. I could no more have expected such a complaint from such a gentleman than I could that she would have deserved it and I am very sorry on both accounts. I have talked to her in such a manner that, I dare say, she will never give you like cause to appeal to me. It happened that the criminal herself received it from her servant, and brought it to me in my closet, and making her honours, for I can't but say she is very obliging to me, though she takes such saucy freedoms with my friends, away she tripped and I, inquiring for her, when, with surprise, as you may believe, I had read your charge, found she was gone to visit a poor sick neighbour, of which indeed I knew before, because she took the chariot, but I had forgot it in my wrath. At last, in she came, with that sweet composure in her face, which results from a consciousness of doing generally just and generous things. I resumed, therefore, that sternness and displeasure which her entrance had almost dissipated. I took her hand, her charming eye, you know what an eye she has, Sir Simon, quivered at my overclouded aspect, and her lips, half drawn to a smile, trembling with apprehension of a countenance so changed from what she left it. And then, all stiff and stately as I could look, did I accost her. Come along with me, Pamela, to my closet. I want to talk with you. What have I done? Let me know, good sir. Looking round with her half-affrighted eyes this way and that, on the books and pictures, and on me by turns. You shall know soon, said I, the crime you have been guilty of. Crime, sir! Pray let me this closet, I hoped, would not be a second time witness to the flutter you put me in. There hangs a tale, Sir Simon, which I am not very fond of relating, since it gave beginning to the triumphs of this little sorceress. I still held one hand, and she stood before me, as criminals ought to do, before their judge, but said, I see, sir, sure I do, or what will else become of me? Less severity in your eyes than you affect to put on in your countenance, dear sir. Let me but know my fault. I will repent, acknowledge, and amend. You must have great presence of mind, Pamela, such is the nature of your fault, if you can look me in the face when I tell it you. Then let me, said the irresistible charmer, hiding her face in my bosom, and putting her other arm above my neck, let me thus, my dear Mr. B., hide this guilty face, while I hear my fault told, 
and I will not seek to extenuate it by my tears and my penitence. I could hardly hold out what infatuating creatures are these women when they thus soothe and calm the tumults of an angry heart when instead of scornful looks darted in return for angry ones words of defiance for words of peevishness persisting to defend one error by another and returning vehement wrath for slight indignation and all the hostile provocations of the marriage warfare they can thus hide their dear faces in our bosoms and wish but to know their faults to amend them i could hardly i say resist the sweet girl's behaviour nay i believe i did and in defiance to my resolved displeasure, press her forehead with my lips, as the rest of her face was hid on my breast, but, considering it was the cause of my friend, I was to assert my injured friend, wounded and insulted in so various a manner by the fair offender, thus haughtily spoke I to the trembling mischief, in a pomp of style theatrically tragic. I will not to inadvertent and undistinguishing pamela keep you long in suspense for the sake of a circumstance that on this occasion ought to give you as much joy as it has till now given me since it becomes an advocate in your favour when otherwise you might expect very severe treatment know then that the letter you gave me before you went out is a letter from a friend a neighbour a worthy neighbour complaining of your behaviour to him no other than sir simon donford for i would not amuse her too much a gentleman i must always respect and whom as my friend i expect you should since by the value a wife expresses for one esteemed by her husband whether she thinks so well of him herself or not a man ought always to judge of the sincerity of her regards to himself she raised her head at once on this thank heaven said she it is no worse i was at my wit's end almost in apprehension but i know how this must be dear sir how could you brighten me so i know how all this is i can now look you in the face and hear all that sir simon can charge me with for i am sure i have not so affronted him as to make him angry indeed and truly ran she on secure of pardon as she seemed to think i should respect sir simon not only as your friend but on his own account if he was not so sad a rake at a time of life then i interrupted her you must needs think sir simon for how could i bear to hear my worthy friend so freely treated how now pamela said i and is it thus by repeating your fault that you atone for it do you think i can bear to hear my friend so freely treated indeed said she i do respect sir simon very much as your friend permit me to repeat but cannot for his wilful failings would it not be in some measure to approve of faulty conversation if one can hear it 
and not discourage it when the occasion comes in so pat and indeed i was glad of an opportunity continued she to give him a little rub i must needs own it but if it displeases you or has made him angry in earnest i am sorry for it and will be less bold for the future read then said i the heavy charge and i'll return instantly to hear your answer to it so i went from her for a few minutes but would you believe it sir simon she seemed on my return very little concerned at your just complaints what self-justifying minds have the meekest of these women instead of finding her in repentant tears as one would expect she took your angry letter for a jocular one and i had great difficulty to convince her of the heinousness of her fault or the reality of your resentment upon which being determined to have justice done to my friend and a due sense of her own great error impressed upon her i began thus Pamela, take heed that you do not suffer the purity of your own mind in breach of your charity, to make you too rigorous a censurer of other people's actions. Don't be so puffed up with your own perfections, as to imagine that because other persons allow themselves liberties you cannot take, therefore they must be wicked sir simon is a gentleman who indulges himself in a pleasant vein and i believe as well as you has been a great rake and libertine you'll excuse me sir simon because i am taking your part but what then you see it is all over with him now he says that he must and therefore he will be virtuous and is a man for ever to hear the faults of his youth when so willing to forget them a but sir sir said the bold slut can you say he is willing to forget them does he not repine in this very letter that he must forsake them and does he not plainly cherish the inclination when he owns she hesitated owns what you know what i mean sir and i need not speak it and can there well be a more censurable character then before his maiden daughters his virtuous lady before anybody what a sad thing is this at a time of life which should afford a better example but dear sir continued the bold prattler taking advantage of a silence more owing to displeasure than approbation let me for i would not be too censorious no not she in the very act of censoriousness to say this let me offer but one thing don't you think sir simon himself would be loath to be thought a reformed gentleman don't you see his delight when speaking of his former pranks as if sorry he could not play them over again see but how he simpers and enjoys as one may say the relations of his own rakish actions when he tells a bad story but said i were this the case for i profess sir simon i was at a grievous loss to defend you for you to write all these free things against a father to his daughter is that right pamela oh sir the good gentleman himself has taken care that such a character as i presumed to draw to miss of her papa was no strange one to her you have seen yourself mr b whenever his arch leers and his humorous attitude on those occasions have taught us to expect some shocking story 
how his ladies and daughters used to him as they are have suffered in their apprehensions of what he would say before he spoke it how particularly dear miss darnford has looked at me with concern desirous as it were if possible to save her papa from the censure which his faulty expressions must naturally bring upon him and dear sir is it not a sad thing for a young lady who loves and honours her papa to observe that he is discrediting himself and wants the example he ought to give and pardon me sir for smiling on so serious an occasion but is it not a fine sight to see a gentleman as we have often seen sir simon when he has thought proper to read a passage in some bad book pulling off his spectacles to talk filthily upon it methinks i see him now added the bold slut splitting his arch face with a broad laugh showing a mouth with hardly a tooth in it and making obscene remarks upon what he has read and then the dear saucy-faced laughed out to bear me company for i could not for the soul of me avoid laughing heartily at the figure she brought to my mind which i have seen my old friend more than once make with his dismounted spectacles arch mouth and gums of shining jet succeeded in those of polished ivory of which he often boasts as one ornament of his youthful days and either rather in my heart sir simon gave you up because when i was a sad fellow it was always my maxim to endeavour to touch a lady's heart without wounding her ears and indeed i found my account sometimes in observing it but resuming my gravity hussy said i do you think i will have my old friend thus made the object of your ridicule suppose a challenge should have ensued between us on your account what might have been the issue of it to see an old gentleman stumping as he says on crutches to fight a duel in defence of his wounded honour very bad sir to be sure i see that and am sorry for it for had you carried off sir simon's crutch as a trophy he must have lain sighing and groaning like a wounded soldier in the field of battle till another had been brought him to have stumped home with but dear sir simon i have brought this matter to an issue that will i hope make all easy miss polly and my pamela shall both be punished as they deserve if it be not your own fault i am told that the sins of your youth don't sit so heavily upon your limbs as in your imagination and i believe change of air and the gratification of your revenge a fine help to such lively spirits as yours will set you up you shall then take coach and bring your pretty criminal to mine and when we have them together they shall humble themselves before us and you can absolve or punish them as you shall see proper for i cannot bear to have my worthy friend insulted in so heinous a manner by a couple of saucy girls who if not taken down in time may proceed from fault to fault till there will be no living with them if to be still more serious your lady and you will lend miss darnford to my pamela's wishes whose heart is set upon the hope of her wintering with us in town you will lay an obligation upon us both which will be acknowledged with great gratitude by dear sir your affectionate and humble servant end of letter twenty three